Hey guys, Pastor Ben. Thank you for joining us here on FCC Online. We are truly thankful and appreciate you taking the time to watch and listen to our messages. One thing that I do want to encourage you to do is as you're watching these, please don't allow these to be your primary resource in your spiritual journey and your walk with Jesus. Keep these as a supplement to what you do on a weekly basis from the gathering, uh, being connected, being part of a life of a local church body. We want these to bless you. We want these messages and these videos to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. But please do not allow these to replace anything that you have to do with a local church body. Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to the book of John. The Gospel of John uh, so get there. It's going to be chapter 14, and just kind of put your finger there, put a pen in it. Uh, and let me set up this message for us today. We're going to be talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, we started last week kind of into this new series of that same Spirit, where we're going to spend a couple months studying Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, what it means to have God's presence dwelling in us. Before I read the passage this morning, there's a couple things that I want to just uh, set up. One, one thing I want to make sure that I inform you guys, there is, uh, there's a couple works that I'm using uh, heavily as reference for this study as we go through. One of them is a book called Holy Fire written by R.T. Kendall. Uh, another is several works that have been published by Matt Chandler. Uh, so I'm, I'm utilizing those leaning heavily. If you'd like to check out that, that Holy Fire book in particular, I would encourage you uh, to do that. But a couple things for us to remember about God's Holy Spirit as we're moving through. The first is, Holy Spirit is a person. Okay? Holy Spirit is a person. In the 1611 translation of the King James Version of the Bible, there was a really unfortunate interpretation and translation in the book of Romans where it refers to God's Holy Spirit as an it. And there have been a lot of bad doctrines built around this unfortunate translation. Let's, make, let's be very clear on something here. The Holy Spirit is God. Amen? Let's understand that. The Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is God. We get kind of weirded out, don't we? Like whenever we start talking about the Holy Spirit, because I think like with God the Father... Our brains, you know, we've got something that we can kind of attribute that to. There's, there's earthly roles here that we can look at and we can see and go, okay, I, can, I kind of get that. Okay, God the Son, you know, Jesus, okay, we get that. We know what a son is, so okay, my mind can wrap itself around that. God's Holy Spirit. Huh. Okay. And really, I mean, we can, in, in a lot of evangelical and more conservative evangelical circles, well, I could stand up here and talk about Holy Spirit and people are like, ah, tongues. Oh, no, prophecy. Oh, no, what if somebody tries to slap me in the forehead and I fall? I mean, we kind of get weirded out, don't we? Like, we get weirded out by the subject of Holy Spirit. Because, I mean, if we're being honest about it, Holy Spirit's kind of like that crazy family member that shows up at family events that everybody loves. Like, right? You love them, but you never know what they're going to say. You never know what they're going to do. It's just a wild card into the whole situation. We kind of view sometimes Holy Spirit like that. But make sure we remember that Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is God. And 
one of the things, the second thing that I want to kind of have us have in our focus throughout this whole thing is one of the um, one of the things that God's Spirit, Holy Spirit, does in our life is that He illuminates things to us. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, you've confessed your sins, it's because Holy Spirit illuminated your sins in your life and the need for a Savior. He inspired you to make that decision. And you'll notice that I, I try to be very, very intentional in my wording whenever I'm giving like the invitation time, the altar call to come up front and give your heart to Jesus. I say respond to what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. Because, listen, I recognize something, okay? 45 years old, I'm growing ever more aware of what I'm good at, maybe even more so of what I'm not good at. And thank God for a helpmate called my wife that helps me to understand what I'm not good at. Twenty-some years of doing this, I think, I'm pretty convinced that I'm a fairly decent communicator. Like, I think I can talk. Careful, careful. <laughs> I think I can talk. But listen, I'm fully aware and fully okay with the fact of if there's something that's said here today that makes an eternal difference in your life, it's not me. It's not my words. It's not because I'm a decent communicator. It's because this eastern Kentucky hillbilly has said something in Appalachian that didn't make any sense whatsoever coming out. And in the airwaves, somehow, before it gets to your ears, God's Holy Spirit transforms it and makes it something that impacts your life. Because if you're here just listening to me, and Holy Spirit is not illuminating things to you, you're going to drop it in the parking lot and we're going to have to go sweep it up. Because it's not about the power or the eloquence of my words. It's about God's Holy Spirit illuminating your heart. This word that we're getting ready to, to read, this is the living and active word that was authored by God's Holy Spirit through mankind. One thing, real quick. There's a difference between reading this book through the inspiration and illumination of the Holy Spirit and then just reading this book with this. Amen? There's a complete difference in understanding God's Word because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit and illuminated to your heart and your inner man because of the Holy Spirit and then us just having head knowledge of it. This word, written by His living Spirit, transforms your life. It changes you, right? Like when this word is impacting your heart through illumination of Holy Spirit, it changes you. You can't remain the same. However, if you memorize this book... Cover to cover, in your mind, without the illumination of Holy Spirit, you and I are reading completely different books. Here's why I say that. If you can recite the entirety of the Bible, word for word, line for line, but you're still a jerk, we're reading different books. 
If you can quote scripture like crazy, but you still got a bad attitude all the time and you're hateful, we're reading different books. If you can quote scripture line by line, truth by truth, precept upon precept, but you have not love, we're reading different books. That's how important Holy Spirit inspiration and illumination is in our hearts and our lives. So those two things, Holy Spirit is a person, He is God, and He illuminates our hearts. He inspires our lives. So with that, John 14. Going to be reading verses 16 through 18. These are the words of Jesus. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth. Notice something right there if you're reading that, whether it be physical book or on your phone, whatever. That is a capital S on the word spirit. Right? So that means that the writer is referring to the Holy Spirit. So even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Can I, can I just throw something out here? I think that that may be one of the most overlooked but yet most powerful promises that we'll ever find in Scripture. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you. I will not pull you out of this world and then leave you wandering around aimlessly without family, without identity, without purpose, without someone who cares for you, without someone who's with you, without someone who's walking step by step with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's powerful, isn't it? I mean, that's powerful scripture right there. It's like, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to come to you. So, in scripture, we start seeing Holy Spirit's role. But one of the things I think we need to understand and make sure that we're aware of is Holy Spirit actually started before the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. Holy Spirit has always been. And from cover to cover, I think what you're going to see throughout this study is that from the beginning of what we have recorded to the end, and then through our lives at least, Holy Spirit is the most active and the most involved portion of the Trinity. By far. So I want us to look at the stages today that this person, this Holy Spirit of God has been involved from the very beginning. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to read from there. We're going to see that he is in the beginning. Genesis 1, the very front of the book. Verse 1, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You see that? Capital S, Spirit. 
God's Holy Spirit was there before creation. God's Holy Spirit has always been. It's not a new guy on the scene as, far, as soon as Jesus ascended. It's not like, oh, hey, well, um, uh, didn't think this one through. Okay, I've got to go back up. Father, we've got to come up with something to send back down because you're not know, kind of promised him a helper. No, 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 no. It wasn't a creation of his spirit to be sent on the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit has been involved before the foundation of the world. And here we see that upon the initial record that the Spirit of God was hovering above the waters. Now if we turn to Exodus chapter 31, it's the next little portion here I want to read to us. Exodus 31, we're going to see that Holy Spirit is involved in building this is a neat little passage of Scripture here. So he's involved at the beginning for however long he's always been. We see that he's active in creation. And now we see that he's active in building because unless I'm missing something, which is possible, unless I'm missing something, this is the first record that we have of anyone being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we see in the Old Testament all the time that the Spirit would come upon someone and it would be there for a little while and then Holy Spirit would go back into heaven. Then he would come back down and he would remain on someone for a little bit. Then he would go back. But in Exodus chapter 31, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. How? With the ability and intelligence, with the knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work every craft. Isn't that amazing that the very first person that it's recorded in Scripture was filled with the Spirit of God, was filled with the Spirit of God to work with their hands. See, we have this concept and this mindset that it's only the people who are in ministry, right, who are called to do ministry. Those are the only ones that are really filled with the Spirit that, that it really, uh, you know, it makes a difference for them because He works on their behalf and, and they're set apart for the Holy Spirit to work through. Understand the very first person worked with their hands and was filled with the Spirit of God. Don't let the enemy convince you that what you do outside of this church is not important to the kingdom of God. Because what God has called you to do is to work with your hands, to work with your mouth, to work with your mind, to make a difference in people's lives. Everything that we do for the Lord is filled and inspired by the Spirit of the Lord. You don't have to stand up here every Sunday morning. You don't have to be up here at all. You don't have to be involved in a ministry. You don't have to be a main cog in the wheel of something that's happening in order for God to use you. God says that I filled him with my spirit so that he could build and create and make things beautiful with his hands. Don't let the enemy rob you and convince you that you're not uh, worth as much as someone else because your gift 
isn't as visible as someone else's. God has called you, He's placed you, and He's filled you with His Spirit so that you can make beautiful things in a very ugly world. Amen. 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 All right. The Holy Spirit is also in the prophets. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 36. And anybody who's ever read the book of Ezekiel just went, Ezekiel? (laughs) It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it pays out for him. (laughs) Ezekiel chapter 36. So he was with the prophets. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And just so I'm drawing attention to it, that word spirit in 26 is lowercase. Okay, so he's not referring to the Holy Spirit at this point. It says, I, a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you capital S, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is a prophet that's being spoken through by the very spirit of God that's saying that there's coming a time that I'm going to fill all in all everyone who is mine, everyone who follows my commands, everyone who calls on my name, everyone who knows me as Lord and Savior, I will fill them with my Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's going to cause us, help us, assist us, lead us in walking in the ways, the statutes, and the commands of God. See, we're not in this endeavor as believers on our own. Praise God, right? Listen, I mess up far more than what I need to, and that's even with His Spirit going, I told you. I can't imagine trying to do this thing navigating it by myself. You all think I'm a train wreck now. (laughs) But He's with the prophet. He's coming. He was promised. And then we see in Acts chapter 2 that Holy Spirit is in the promise. Chapter 2, starting with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the fulfillment of the promise. The ones that the prophets spoke to, the one that the Savior spoke to. Remember right before He ascended, He said, wait, I'm getting ready to leave. You need to wait on the promise. I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you a helper. You need to wait upon Him. And then He ascended. And the disciples took that very literally. Like they stood there. Like didn't move. And an angel showed up. was like, what are y'all doing? He said, wait. 
we're waiting. It's like, no, 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 not, not this kind of waiting. Go, go into, the, go into town, go pray, go do something. Right? Just side note, waiting in the kingdom of God is oftentimes different than waiting in the natural. Waiting in God's kingdom does not mean a, an absence of activity. Waiting means I'm not going to I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to push through with something in my life until I have clear direction from God. So we see this promise that the Holy Spirit came and dwelt amongst the people of God. Then if you'll turn to Acts 13, I know there's a lot of Scripture here. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Acts chapter 13, he's in our leading as well. He is in our leading. Starting with verse 2 out of 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This was direct communication from God's Holy Spirit. Notice, again, there was movement after receiving instruction. But instead of just standing there looking up at the sky, waiting for the instruction, what are they doing? They're praying and they're fasting. They're seeking the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So he's in our leading. Allow me, allow me to talk just for a real quick second here on this. How amazing would it be that every time the Holy Spirit wanted us to do something, we heard His voice? Right? It's like, I ain't moving until I hear a voice. Listen, I'm all about being ambushed by God. I, I like being whacked upside the head by the Holy Ghost. And here's what I'm talking about, okay? Is those times when I'm just sitting there and then something, I'm just doing life, I'm just walking through, I'm just lati don through the field or whatever, and then all of a sudden, bam! Holy Spirit hits me and I just, <laughs> this is so awesome. Thank you, Lord. This morning, I was driving in. 5-something a.m., 6-something a.m. It's just me and my Jeep with Scripture playing uh, through the Dwell app and I'm not a car around, and all of a sudden I just become overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I love that stuff. Absolutely love it. But that doesn't happen all the time. It would be so great if I were facing a decision and God would ambush me every time with what I needed to do. Wouldn't it? I mean, like, like that would be helpful, right? Doesn't work that way. See, sometimes there's still that still small voice that we have to listen for. There's still that cloud the size of a man's hand in the midst of the drought that we have to look at and go, there it is. That's the Lord speaking to me. That's His Holy Spirit revealing to my heart. That's revelation. That's illumination that's coming to me. Listen, I love the ambush times. And for people like Kevin Beck, Leslie Meenix, the ambush time happens every time they get behind the microphone. I don't know how it happens, but they just get for and they're like, <laughs> I'm like, I want that. I love the ambush times. 
you know that moment when you get that, that, those, those chills and you just know that God's doing something? That it's just undoubtedly and undeniably God. I love those times. But we also have to recognize that we have His Spirit that's leading us at all times and He's not always going to ambush us. We need to be seeking Him. We need to be praising Him. We need to be praying. And yes, we need to be fasting. Selah, I will lay that, I will table that for another message. God is also in our sustaining. Turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. Anybody in here a Romans chapter 8 fan? I got a a couple people. Good, good, good. You should be. So Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the capital S spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. That's an amazing passage of Scripture, isn't it? But I love this sense that we get here because we talked about at the very beginning out of John 14 that He will not leave us as orphans. And we see here that it's through the Spirit of God and the Spirit of adoptions that we become sons and daughters of the King. That's the Holy Spirit that's doing that. And listen, there's also a layer to this in the original Greek that, yes, it does mean to be adopted. It means that identity of now I'm a child, now I'm a son, now I'm a daughter. But there's also this layer to it that gives us the confidence that God is all-powerful. Now, I'm going to take us all back, at least the guys in here, okay? Most of the guys, especially probably 40-plus. There was this ever-present argument when we were younger that if we were losing to one of our friends at something, we always fell back on the thing of, oh yeah, well, my dad can beat up your dad. My dad will body slam the soul out of yours. Ladies, did it, was that for anybody? Did you all ever do that? Nope. Mars, Venus. Yes. Okay, yeah. So. But there's this confidence that should come with this. My dad can beat up your dad, right? Because not only am now I'm a son of the king, but now I'm protected by the king. I'm sustained by the king. I'm kept by the king, which means what are you going to do to me that's going to make a difference? No matter what type of height, depth, no matter how much sorrow, no matter how much grief, no matter how many dry times, desert times I'm walking through, I've been in plenty and I've been in want. But all I know is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What are you going to do? Take my life? That means it's gain. To live is Christ. But guess what? To die is gain. It's not me. It's the Apostle Paul. It's okay for me to say that. That gives us this sense of, what are you going to do to me anyhow? Because if I continue to live and I'm persecuted and I suffer, then that means I get to praise Christ and point you to him all the more. Oh, so you're going to kill me now? Well, go ahead, because that's the ultimate gain in my life. My dad can beat up your dad. End of argument. 
He's in our sustaining. And that is the Holy Spirit working through adoption in the heart of a believer. The last thing is we see him in the end. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I know, bold, I've been in both Ezekiel and Revelation in the same day. So we saw him. We saw the Spirit of God in Genesis 1. And now we're going to the very end of the book. Revelation 1.10. John writes this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. He was in the capital S, Spirit, on the Lord's day. So, cover to cover, the most active, involved piece of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And we covered last week passage out of Romans that it is that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that's alive in us today and that dwells in us today. So I'm going to wrap up by asking you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want to issue a little bit of a challenge to you here. So we see that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. He is active. He is involved. He illuminates. And He helps to guide us and lead us. Now, if you read throughout the Old Testament, you'll see several variations of places where heaven and earth intersected, where they converged. You see it in the wilderness, in the tabernacle. When they would erect the tabernacle, you you see uh, the Holy of Holies. That's where God's presence would dwell. That is where His presence and the earth converged. That's where they intersected. Then they built the temple. There was a holy of holies that was uh, constructed within the temple as well. That's where God's presence dwelled, and that's where heaven and earth converged. Now, you will see at the very end of Revelation, if you read it, it says that there's no need for a temple because His presence is everywhere. Okay? Now, we're going to see something right here. Because the, the... presence the the veil was torn it was rent into from top to bottom when jesus said it is finished which unleashed god's presence his spirit upon all the earth but it's not just wandering around aimlessly with no residence there is yet another point of intersection there is yet another point of convergence where heaven meets earth in this world still today 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I'm going to go on the low end of this guess, and I'm going to say that maybe 90% of you who just heard me read this scripture thinks that that passage is talking about don't smoke. Don't overeat. Don't do bad things to your body. Take care of yourself. And listen, we can have a conversation because on some level, it does mean that, right? I mean, I stand up here 
uh, and for 10 years, I've tried to totally transform myself from a physical standpoint, losing weight, staying in as much shape as I can possibly stay in, you know, like really working hard to get myself healthy because I do believe that there's a conversation out of this passage to be had for us to be healthy for ministry, healthy for God. Colossians 3.23, doing all things with excellence unto the Lord. There's a conversation to be had there, so I'm not dismissing that. But I want this to challenge our hearts this morning, and I want the weight of the text to bear down on us just a little bit today. Because this goes far beyond the pass me the gravy for the third time this meal, and it goes into you are a convergence point. You are an intersection for where his kingdom of heaven meets the kingdom of this world, and you are now hosting what you have dwelling inside of you is the very same presence of the Lord that dwelt in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, the very same presence that was in the Holy of Holies in the temple, the very same presence that rose Jesus from the dead, that resurrected him, that same spirit dwells in you. You are now a place where heaven meets earth. My goodness. I think y'all can do a little bit better than that. God's decided to dwell in you. He decided to dwell in you. You all know me. You all know me. And most of you have known me for a good portion of my life. There is absolutely nothing that I've ever done to deserve. I've never been anything worth this. I've never said anything worth this. I've never lived in a way that God could ever say, there's the one that separated himself from all others. I'm going to dwell in him. But yet he looked at me and said, that's a place where I want my kingdom intersecting and converging with a lost and dying, hate-filled, judgment-filled world so that I can see that there's a difference, that my light can shine forth from him. That's what each and every believer holds inside of us is the very presence of God. Now, we can talk about gravy some more if you want to. I'm always open for a conversation about food. But when we go so much deeper and we begin to say that the very Spirit of the living God dwells inside of us as believers, that should add a whole nother weight. That should weigh down on us in a very good way because you know what? New Year's Eve, 1989, was when I gave my heart to the Lord. Decades later, there are still areas of my life where I go, I'm not representing Christ the way I should. I'm not living up to that standard of being a holy temple in which His Spirit dwells. So that's my challenge for you this morning. Do some introspection in your life. And it's probably not going to take you very long at all to figure out some areas. They've probably already gone through your head of where maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not living in this area. Maybe I'm not doing. Maybe I'm not thinking. Maybe maybe I'm not reacting. Maybe I don't have, maybe I'm not doing this. Maybe I'm not being the best representative of His kingdom. Because my friends, listen, none of you are going to be able to tell me any more than what I already know why I should be disqualified from this. And that's the battle we fight, right? Because like, we all know ourselves so well. And we know our shortcomings. 
But it is in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. It's in this fallen, uh, wretched, as Paul says in, in Romans chapter 7, O wretched man am I, who, who shall save me from this body of death? It's that same spirit that's alive and that hovered over the waters at creation that was in the prophets, that was in creation, that was in sustaining, that was in the promise, in everything. It's that same Spirit that dwells in you as a believer today. 